we're excited as we're diving into this, uh, this series, the Epistles of John. And uh, for the first couple of weeks, uh, we have uh, dealt with the first book of John. And so now we're going to the second book of John. And so if you have your Bibles, if you can go to second, uh, the second book of John, chapter 1, uh, and then uh, you can go there. The second book of John, chapter 1, if you go to chapter 2, oh, you're in the wrong book. Uh, there's only one chapter in uh, uh, the second book of John. So second book of John, chapter 1, starting here at verse 4. I believe this verse 4 through 6 summarizes uh, this particular book. And it reads, Rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as you were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments, and that, his com- and that the commandment, just as you were, have you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. Let me read verse 6 again. And this is love, that we what? Walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. Amen? I want to talk to you from the subject of thought, walk it out and follow me. Everybody shout, walk it out and follow me. So we're in the second book of John, and uh, it is basically a summary of, uh, as we look at the first book of John, it's really a summary. And the key elements of the first book of John is obedience, walking with God in righteousness, submission to the truth, and functioning together in love with believers. And in our text, the second book of John, he is thanking God and thanking the believers for walking in those key elements, walking them out in their lives, and he's also compelling them to stay the course. So, so as I've been beginning to, to study this particular book and as he's beginning to uh, share with us in chapter, uh, excuse me, verse 6, he says, and this is love that we walk according to his commandments. We've heard messages throughout these couple of weeks about the truth, about love and uh, walking in truth and walking in love. But I don't know about you, but the question is, uh, Pastor Rodney, Pastor Ray, how do I actually literally live that out? I know you give me practical tools about what is truth and what is love, but how can I go a little bit deeper? And as I begin to wrestle with this particular book, I, the, the Lord then led me to Matthew chapter 16. So if you can go to Matthew chapter 16, we're going to be bouncing back and forth between 2 John and Matthew chapter 16. And I hope Matthew chapter 16 will bring clarity to the second book of John. Matthew 16 verse 24, it is a very uh, familiar passage of scripture. And it says this, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself Take up his cross and what? Follow me. So, so you may say, well, Pastor, Pastor Rodney, Pastor Ray, how do I walk in love? How do I walk in the truth? If any of you want to walk in love, if any of you want to walk in truth, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Walk it out 
and follow me. You know, growing up, I, I've been fascinated with crosses, and I have, uh, growing up, I had crosses all over the house. I had crosses on my nightstand in my room, on my Bible. Uh, I was, when I was a young little preacher, I had them on my robes. I, I, I had them on my bookshelf. I even had a, a cross around my neck growing up. Every time I go to church, I will always have a cross around my neck, and it was not to, 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 to uh, become prideful. I, I was excited because I was a preacher, young preacher. I was a young Christian pursuing God. I, my grandfather was a bishop, so everybody called me baby bishop. I, I wore a cross around my neck all the time. And it was not to be in a prideful manner, but as an adolescent boy, I wanted everybody to know at that time I was a young preacher. As I, as I grew older and matured in my walk with Jesus Christ and my calling and learning to walk out love and learning to walk out the truth, I began to learn that it's okay to wear a cross around your neck, but you must learn to carry your cross. As you have seen, I, 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 I showed you, to, I just communicated to you that have crosses all over the place. There's nothing wrong with displaying your cross, but if you just focus on displaying your cross and not carrying your cross, you'll promote yourself and not Christ. When you just display your cross and not carry your cross, it's easy to become self-centered and not Christ-centered. So, so, so growing up, I learned that the question is no longer can you wear your cross, but the question is can anybody bear your cross? Anybody can love. Anybody can walk in a truth, but can you actually walk in and, and carry the cross and carry the love of God and carry the truth? Everybody wants to wear, but does anyone want to bear? So, so my question today is, is the cross that you're carrying heavy, heavier than the cross you display? Let me say that one more time. Is the cross that you're carrying heavier than the cross you display? It is simpler and easier to display your cross, but it's more demanding and sacrificial to carry your cross. It's easier to say you love the truth. It's easy to say you love somebody, but it's more demanding and sacrificial to actually live out the truth and actually to live out love. It's one thing to say I am a Christian. It's another thing to actually live like a cross follower. There's no obligation to displaying your cross, but there are requirements for carrying your cross. And at one of our texts this morning in Matthew, we see that Jesus has just fed the 5,000 and he is now in a secluded place with his disciples to pray alone. After Jesus prays, he's asked his disciples if they knew who he was. Peter then confesses. He says that you are Jesus, the son of the living God. And then he admonishes him and says, okay, I understand that. But Jesus then communicates to them that if you want to be with me, you must suffer with me. You must be rejected like me. But the reality is you will be able to overcome. Jesus then foretells his death and his resurrection. And he tells them that if you want to come after me, you must deny yourself. You must pick up your cross and you must follow me. In this text, we see three invitations that I really also connects with the second book of John. The first invitation that he sends to us is an invitation to commit. Everybody say an invitation to commit. Yeah, yeah, an invitation to commit. The word commit suggests a strong sense of intention and the focus to a plan of action or purpose. A, a question that has come to my mind about this invitation, it is possible for us to make a decision and not a commitment. 
Let me say that one more time. It's easy for us to make a decision and not make a commitment. Uh, we're in a small group, and, uh, and, and, and in our small group, we made a decision to be a part of the small group. But, but, but because we're a part of it each and every day, we're saying, okay, we're committed to this small group. Uh, the reality is in, in marriage, when I, when I said I do to my wife, that was my decision. But every single day, now we're two years in, I have made it a commitment. My question to you today, my brothers and sisters, have you made a decision for God or have you made a commitment for God? I'm not going to go into all of my days of playing football, got hit and that was it, running cross country. I'm not going to get into all that. But all you had to know is whenever it was raining outside, John, I always had the cleanest jersey at the end of the game. Let's just say it like that. Uh, I made a decision to be on the team, but I wasn't committed to get dirty. So, so, so is it possible, is it possible to make a decision and not to make a commitment? There's a lot of people who are making decisions for Jesus, but, not, uh, but, but few are making a commitment to Jesus. In our text, we understand here that, that, that John is encouraging the people and compelling them, hey, you made a decision from the beginning to love and to walk in truth, but I don't want you to just make a decision. I want you to continue to make a commitment to stay in love and stay in the truth. As we look throughout the beginning of the disciples' journeys with Jesus, he can, we can clearly see that Jesus extends an invitation to disciples and asks them to not only make a decision to follow them, but also to walk with them. As a young, young preacher, I, as, as I interrogate the text, I see here that Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, unquote, the New Living Translation says, Jesus says to his disciples, if any one of you want to be my followers... My, my first question to the text is, is who is Jesus talking to? Matthew made it very easy for us. He's talking to his disciples. My, my second question for the text is, what is Jesus asking his disciples to do? Matthew asks his disciples something very easy. He says, hey, I need you to come and follow me. My, my, my third question is, weren't the disciples already following Jesus in the first place? Matthew makes it easier again by showing us that Jesus is labeling the men who are with them as disciples. Disciples are called followers and learners. Jesus has called his disciples and they stuck with him. They saw him heal the sick, turn water into wine, or go to shady maple. I mean, excuse me, feed the 5,000. They saw him do all those things. Now in our text, he shares with them that they are about to suffer. It's bad enough for the disciples to hear that Jesus would suffer and be rejected and on the cross. But now Jesus told them that you must do the same or at least have the same intentions. It is possible for us to be a learner but not be a follower. Let me say that one more time. It is possible for us to be a learner and not a follower. Jesus says, if anyone who followed me, the key here is if. Because Jesus is God, not, not, not a person who is not a gentleman. He's a gentleman, and he would not make you do anything that you don't want to do. The word says, if shows that there is a requirement to do so. Jesus is calling his disciples, and now he embraces the totality of being a Christ follower. Because many of us don't mind living for Jesus, but some of us don't want to die for Christ. Many of us don't mind wearing our cross, but, but the question is, how many of y'all actually want to 
carry your cross. We don't mind going to church all the time, but, but the reality is will we actually want to live out what we're hearing and to apply to our lives. James, the brother of Jesus, said in James chapter 1, but ye to be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. Here, James labels two types of listeners. The first is purposeful listeners. Everybody should have purposeful listeners. Those are ones who attend church and they, they, they come and they get excited. They go to, to groups. They come excited. They hear the word of God and they put into practice what they have heard. But there are, then not only is there pa- uh, purposeful listeners, there's passive listeners. Everybody shout passive listeners. Those are ones who come to church, they hear a great sermon, but live with no intention to apply it to their lives. That, 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 is, what, that, that is who uh, uh, John is talking to in second, the second book of John. He's saying, hey, I want you to listen to me because right now you are purposeful listeners. You are listening to what I have said and you have applied it to your life. And now I want you to continue to do that. But I grew up learning that, that many times hearers go. But doers grow. You know, I had the opportunity uh, when I was working at Lancaster Bible College, I had the opportunity to be a teaching assistant, a TA. And so I had the opportunity of teaching uh, biblical preaching and introduction of pastoral ministry. And so while I was teaching that particular class, uh, I had an opportunity to have all the students in the class. I was able to teach a couple of classes. And then and one of our classes, they actually had a, a test. It wasn't uh, going to be graded. They didn't know that, but it was going to be a test. And so, uh, so, so, so they all got ready. They prepared for the test. They did the test. And I noticed there was one guy that, that, did, didn't, that didn't take the test. He didn't write anything. And I, and I found that very odd. I'm like, okay, uh, he, he, I don't know why he's not doing this test. And so then we gave him a group of assignment and we said okay everybody you have a group assignment everybody you come you get everything you need and go out and work together and come back and you're going to make a presentation i got an email from one of the students and they they said uh uh uh, i have a question i have a question i said yes they said can i can i work on my project by myself I said, no, you have to work on your project with your partner. Uh, He said, well, my partner does not want to do the assignment with me. I said, well, what's his name? And I I looked up his name and uh, I I said, oh, oh, I understand why he's not uh, uh, doing the assignment with you. I understand why he didn't take the test. It's because he's a different student than you. you. You're a student that you're trying to come and you're trying to get a grade and you're trying to graduate. That's your purpose. But but this guy, he's a different type a student he said well, what type of student is that I said he's an audit student well he said well what, what is an audit student I said an audit student is that they come to class they listen to my lecture but they leave and they don't have to apply what they learned they don't have to go out and do the assignments well, what is it? He said, well, what's that? He said, I said, what you're doing is you're coming to class. You're doing the assignments. You're hearing what I'm saying because you want to get a grade. You want to graduate. But he's auditing, which means he comes to the class and he has no obligation to apply what he has heard or do any assignments. My brothers and sisters, my question to you as we become spectators of God's word and become to audit Christianity. Has any of us become to come to church and we listen to a great message and then we leave never cracking open the Bible and applying it to our lives? The danger is that sometimes we can become window shoppers and marvel at the wisdom of God, but yet never apply it to our lives and live it out. My question to you today, my brothers and sisters, are we actually making a decision or are we actually making a commitment? 
You know, my brothers and sisters, as we, as we look at this text, we see that there, not only is there an invitation to commit, but there's also an invitation to carry. Everybody shout, an invitation to carry. The text says, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Matthew admonishes us to deny ourselves. So you may say, Pastor Rodney, what, what is, does this mean self-denial? No, there's a difference between denying yourself and self-denial. Many people practice self-denial by restricting themselves from activities or substances that will keep them from reaching their goals. But the ultimate purpose of self-denial is self-glorification. But the ultimate purpose of denying self is glorification. Glorifying God. Denying yourself is the essential battle of this life. It's the struggle of who's in charge. Is it us or is it God? To deny yourself means saying no to yourself and yes to God. The process of denying yourself is humbling, submitting yourself and your will to God. It it goes through life repeating the words that Jesus said the night he died. He said, Father, it's not my will, but thy will be done. So you may ask the question, what does denying ourselves look like? Sometimes it is loving people that is sometimes hard to love. It is telling the truth to someone who really does not know the truth. And you really want to become friends with them. The brother, my brothers, this is the path of discipleship. The path of being a Christ follower is not easy. The reality is it is relinquishing the power that we have and giving it over to Christ. You see, as we look at this text, we understand that he's telling us to deny ourselves, to pick up our cross and to follow him. The purpose of the cross, if you really look at the intention in in biblical times, you understand the purpose of the cross is not to carry. Before someone would die on a cross, they, they made them carry their cross the Romans forced criminals to carry their own crosses to the place of crucifixion. Bearing a cross meant that you were carrying your own execution device while facing ridicule along the way to death. Carrying a cross means that you were led to death on a cross. No one could carry a cross and find fun. We wear a cross today and think it's glamorous and it's impressive. But my brothers and sisters, carrying a cross means I'm dying to live again. What does that mean, Pastor Rodney, in regards to truth? What does that mean in regards to love? That means I am not selfishly seeking to do things in my own way, but loving other people and living out the truth in a world that does not want to do it. So, so not only not only is there an invitation to commit, an invitation to carry, the last thing he tells us is an invitation to follow. Everybody shout, an invitation to follow. Invitation. Following Christ is simply obeying Christ. Obedience is the willing submission and an order and instructions of one in authority. To obey God simply means we obey his statutes and his commandments. We have to be willing to do what God tells us to do, no matter what, how hard it is. But, but you know, I come to understand it's not hard to obey God because from creation, we were designed to obey him. But the question is, are we willing to obey him? And you may say, well, Pastor Ryder, why does it seem so hard for us or seem difficult for us to obey God? Can I give them to you? The first reason why it seems difficult for us to obey God and follow him is because we may have some unsurrendered areas in our life that clashes with the word of God. 
We may say, God, you can have rights over this area, but you can have rights over this area. Okay, let me give you another one. It, it seems difficult for us to follow God and obey God when our obedience puts us at odds with people we believe we need acceptance and approval from. Many times, approval and acceptance from other people sometimes mean more important to us than obeying God. But God said, you got to understand, I'm looking for people who will not be fans of me, but will become followers of me. Let me say that one more time. God is not looking for fans. God is looking for followers. Uh, a fan is a person who is uh, uh, energetic, a person who jumps on the bandwagon and cheers and gets excited. But a follower does not waver. He sticks close even though the outcomes do not look favorable. Uh, a fan is someone who knows about someone, but a follower is a person who knows someone. A fan loves to have fun, but a follower is a person who is willing to do the work. A lot of people want to jump on the Jesus bandwagon and go to church and participate in events and do the right things and say the right things. But when the rubber meets the road and when life gets hard, the question is, will we stick with Jesus? Because many of us want to get close enough to be associated with Jesus, but not close enough to do what is actually required. That's what John is simply saying. John is saying, hey, you have done all the right things, but I need you to understand. I don't want you to just get close to Jesus. I want you to stay connected with Jesus. Because when it gets time, time comes hard and you have to do something and you have to speak up and you have to surrender and you have to sacrifice. The question is, are we willing? Are we willing to not sit on the sidelines and cheer and jump on the Jesus bandwagon? But are we willing to sacrifice to do what he's called us to do? He says, hey, I want you to walk it out and follow me. Because becoming a follower of Jesus is not about working hard and trying to do dotting every I and crossing every T. It's about surrendering each and every day, beginning each day on our knees and saying, it's not my will, but that will be done. So my question is to you today. Are you ready to walk it out and follow him? Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come together. As a body of believers, we thank you, God, for your truth and your love. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We come as your sons and daughters, saying, God, we are ready to walk it out and follow you. God, today, God, there's someone in this room, God, that says, I don't want to make a decision. I want to make a commitment. I don't, I don't, I don't want to just, I don't, I don't just wear it. I want to carry it. I want to bear my cross. So ultimately, God, that we can look like you. Father, in this moment, God, we ask God that you touch each person in this room. Meet them where they are. God, in the moments, God, when it's been tough. God, we live, as they say, in a post-Christian world. It's tough sometimes. But God, allow us not to become fans. Allow us to become followers. So Father, I pray that your spirit will touch every person in this room. God, but you allow us to take that next step to come closer to you. With every eye closed, there may be somebody in this room today that does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. He's the best thing that can ever happen to you. You don't have to come today and think you have to do it all on your own. All you have to do is make a decision and every day 
remake that decision and it's now becoming a commitment. If you're here today and you never made that decision to come after Christ, to have a relationship with Jesus, I want to encourage you to pray this simple prayer. And I guarantee you, he's going to change your life when you put your trust and hope in him. Let's all pray this prayer together. Father, I come in the name of Jesus. I recognize that I'm a sinner in need of you. I believe Jesus Christ came on this earth to die on the cross for my sin and rose again. Today, I accept him in my life and I believe I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. Can we give God praise? Amen. So if you prayed that prayer for the very first time or if you rededicated your life over to Christ, I'm going to encourage you to stop by Connections, which is in the back. Kate is back there. We, we would love to be able to talk with you, connect with you, just to share a little bit about what, you, what it means to be saved because we want to walk with you in this journey. If you're here for the very first time or if you, if you want to get connected, we encourage you to stop by Connections. We'd love to connect with you. Again, if you want to take Count Me and there's still time, we'll be in the conference room, which is the glass doors out in the lobby. Uh, but thank you so much for coming and worshiping with us. Hope to see you next week at as we go to uh, the third book of John as we conclude this series. God bless you. We love you so much and see you all next week.